Has a song ever transported you to the very moment when you first heard it? What made that song relevant to a period of time? Was it the beat, the melody, or did it simply express the way you feel? In this episode, we continue the story of musician and filmmaker Kishibashi as he explores the past to make sense of the present. What does his journey teach us about the power of empathy? And how can we harness that power to improve the relevance of our messages and marketing practice? This is a podcast about communication, marketing, and the account-based mindset. This is Reach. Thanks for joining us in this third episode in our series on relevance and empathy. I'm here with CEO and agency founder Jason Thorgerson. Hello, everyone. And Chief Creative Officer Garrett Krinsky. Happy to be here. Well, in this series, we've been following the story of one of my favorite modern musicians, Kei Ishibashi, and he's been candidly describing for us how he grew as an artist by thinking a little less about his own aspirations and more about the concerns of others, right? Yeah. So in our last episode, Hay is talking about having that experience of getting feedback and gaining the perspective of what the audience resonates with what they want, what they feel, and how a piece of his humanity might speak to them. And what I super appreciated was this idea of relevance and being present and Kay understanding that creativity is a snapshot in your creative stream. And if you can be mindful of what's happening socially and culturally around you, the snapshot of your creative stream at that moment will be relevant. And that's just such a beautiful thing in music because you have this three and a half minutes of beats and melody and it's a snapshot of that time. And then in the future, that snapshot of music can bring you back to that time. Yeah, I think most of us have experienced something like that, right? Where music is able to transport you to another place or time, maybe last summer or last year. But what if it could take you even further? like to a time before you were even born. In this segment, Kijibashi describes empathy's power to take you to places you've previously never experienced. I love history. I read books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I like to imagine what it was like back then. And if that means internment times or World War II or Pacific War or indigenous people fighting pioneers in the early days of America, I kind of paint a picture of what it was actually like probably connected to how grateful I am of how I don't have to like fight for my life. <laughs> I had a orchestral piece, like a symphony I wrote. I was commissioned by this Symphony of Miami New Deco Ensemble to write this piece that included visuals, audio visuals. And so I looked for inspiration. And at the same time, the president, he had some of his aides going on TV talking about the Muslim ban and bringing up Japanese American internment. I agree with it. But in this case, I absolutely believe you that can't be citing things. Japanese internment camps as precedent for anything. You know, they're the like, we've do. profiled immigrants before, and they're bringing it up as like precedent for this Muslim ban that they're trying to push with the same implications of just rounding up people based on race. And I couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it, you know, because this was clearly a miscarriage of justice. And I had a whole month where I did a lot of reading. And I, I kind of got up to speed with a lot of the history. And so I went to these incarceration camps, visiting these sites when I was writing this symphony piece. I, I went with a group first out of Brown University. It's a bunch of grad students. And we traveled the West Coast, 
some of that some of that was sleeping on floors and a lot of it was just visiting the sites going to museums talking to former incarcerees i spent a lot of time in wyoming i went to japan visited manzanar just uh, close to la we go a week and then you know i do a concert every time i went to one of the cities to raise money to pay for like an extra rental vehicle or something and then like a month later if we find more money than kind of go out for another trip. Went to the south, went to Jerome and Rower in Arkansas, and on the way there we went to Selma and Birmingham, played a show there. And you know, so I went to the south, I kind of learned a lot. I wrote a song about Jim Crow era prison labor, you know, forced prison labor. It's called Convict Leasing, which I learned when I went to the Slavery Museum in, in Selma. And I think more than the locations, I think it's like the stories that you hear and how similar they are to yours. But my father was taken away. And although I, I was with my mother in a concentration camp oh, in Minnedoka, you're not going to get your diploma because your people bombed Pearl Harbor. That's when I really get moved to empathize with that history. A lot of the people I was traveling with had family who had been incarcerated. And so they had personal motivation to kind of see this for themselves. And Erin Aoyama was in the first trip and I became really close friends with her. And she had a grandmother in Heart Mountain. Heart Mountain, 10 miles from Cody, Wyoming, which is like desert mountain region. It's a huge incarceration center. It had about like 11,000 people, maybe peak population. I think Erin, she's kind of like trying to imagine what it's like to be a teenager during World War II. What was, was probably like 19, I guess, her grandmother. So it's like to, to think of doing your best for your entire community that's being uprooted, setting up a livable situation in the desert. And so she was working there and we kind of visited her there and we'd also like film a lot there. And I started to feel like there was a lot of Japanese culture there because a lot of the Isseis, the true immigrants that were kind of caught between their native country that they're at war with and their new country that was their home, their voices were really kind of suppressed like all the culture. And I think that was really painful when I started to realize that it was necessary to have this all-American voice to be like, look, we play baseball. We play American music. We don't have accents. How could you lock us up? And that was the narrative for the longest time. And it was necessary because white people could not understand otherwise. But there was a whole immigrant population that was really just kind of living in the shadows they were just beaten down, forced their children to assimilate. And that's why probably a lot of people wouldn't speak Japanese is because it was a survival tactic. And basically what I thought was a singular incident, a singular historical moment that I was looking at, I, I started to really see a wider kind of like universal message that I was really, really interested in, which is basically the suppression of minority identity throughout the history of the United States. It's not just this one thing. There's parallels in every single corner of our history where we just basically either incarcerate, murder, or suppress marginalized communities in this country. It just transformed into this larger project. I started to, um, to look into my own artistic expression as a voice for these feelings I was having, um, to be able to communicate these things to my listeners, my fans. So I started writing an album and I also started making a movie, a documentary movie. My name is Kishibashi. I'm an American songwriter and a violinist. I sing from the heart. But before I make my next album, I feel that I first need to tell a story. Song for you. 
I didn't know it was going to be a feature-length movie. But uh, about four years later, we have a 90-minute movie that involves the creation of my album and also all these performances. And me really learning about minority identity and also the history of World War II Japanese-American incarceration. Omoyari, the word, it means to have empathy, consideration for another person as the basis of protecting everybody, all the marginalized people in communities, or just being a better person in general. And I think it kind of resonates with all the stories I was hearing. You know, it takes effort to consider the perspective of others, but in doing that, Kay was able to take a journey and produce a great album, a film. None of that content would have existed if he hadn't have taken the initiative to take that journey to step mm-hmm. inside the shoes of others. So I, I really felt like something about being in the journey, having a, a mindset of discovery led him to, you know, the title of his movie, this considerate care for others because the journey he went on and being willing to go on the journey of someone else. And Kay immersed himself there's a commitment to empathy in that immersion. And I think the question is, what does Kay's journey literally mean for a marketer? You know, how do we get that level of raw connection baked into the messaging, the whatever, so that it feels like we're taking action for them, right? It's like, where can we create this moment that is remarkable? It's worth talking about. It's so uniquely different that it stands out. Yeah, well, I think I might know a guy who has some ideas. Uh, He's an account director at Transmission Agency, which is one of the largest independent B2B agencies in the world. Quasi Superville, most commonly known as Q. (laughs) Thanks for taking some time today for us, uh, Q. I'm excited. I really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. So we were just talking about empathy and relevance in music. Um, Mind if I ask you a personal question to get us started? What's <laughs> on your playlist right now, music-wise? I think in preparation for this, it was um, <laughs> some house music, to be honest. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I'm some EDM. It gets me into the zone of like just powering through and getting all these ideas sometimes out on, yeah, on paper. Sure. So, love, it. love it. Love so it. What's like a day in the life like for you with your current role? I'm curious. So as a account director, I work with multiple teams. Um creative, I work with activation, I work with project management and other stakeholders across the business really to deliver on the work that we secure for clients. So Yeah. So there are maybe various departments within your agency that specialize in specific applications and you're going to meet with the client and ascertain what are their business needs and then connect them with the right teams. Is that kind of right? 100%. And it actually, it goes, I think one step ahead of that is, you know, understanding their needs, (laughs) digging a little bit deeper to see is that business outcome something that is realistic, attainable? And can we put a measure against that business outcome? So that way it's a lot more of an efficient process. Yeah, that's nice. You are the glue. Yeah. At transmission. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. Uh, so yeah, some people just say air traffic control. Air traffic control. Or, yeah. <laughs> other other people just say overhead. <laughs> Over, overhead. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. It depends who's talking. Right. <laughs> What do you, I'm curious, like, so as we're kind of exploring mindsets that help, obviously, marketers to do more, what are you finding maybe as a, 
maybe common pain points or challenges that the customers are trying to overcome? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I think one of the biggest obstacles that some clients are facing is that inherent need to overcomplicate or dilute messaging <laughs> to encompass everyone. And you, you probably know as <laughs> well as I could do, Hiromi and Jay, that if you're trying to talk to everyone, you're really talking to no one. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody struggles with our tendency to complicate things. Everyone has an audience that they want to connect with. And as you stated beautifully, we can't do that if we're talking to everyone. And it kind of ties into what we're talking about here in terms of this mindset of relevant communication. So what role do you think this mindset plays in reaching and connecting with our target audience? Well, I see relevance as finding value and finding a way to deliver that value, right? Mm. And it starts with empathy. It starts with empathizing with your end audience and not necessarily empathy at the surface level where we look at like the interest and desire, but deeper than that at a level of what does our audience's day-to-day look like? How do our marketing communications show up in that day-to-day? What can we do to show and embody value for that end user? And value is sometimes more than just monetary ROI, right? It's sometimes it's cutting down delivery time on certain elements. Sometimes it's how do you make that person's day better? Sometimes it even goes a step further. And how do you help that person progress in their career, right? And so I think empathy is one of the foundational elements of that value that delivers relevance. And being able to identify and empathize with these audiences and figure out a way to be a part of that conversation, I think it's one of the fundamentals of of brands that are going to win. Yeah, so much of what we do, as you highlight, is just human behavior, right? It's like we recognize that and how we communicate. Oh, yeah. I, I had a really, really keen interest in psychology and human behavior in college, and that grew into a lot of the work that I've done in sales and marketing. And it's helped me so much because at the core... And I think this comes back to relevance, right? Yeah, the core, people want to be understood and people want to see that they've been understood, Mm. right? And so I think if you're able to demonstrate that and your brand is able to relate to these audiences and not only to where they are currently, but where they're going, their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, if your brand is kind of headed in the same direction or at least a subset of your brand, then the connection is going to be there. The brand is going to resonate and you're going to convert. Yeah. I'm curious, like even in this, this idea of this mindset, this showing up in a relevant way, empathizing with who we want to talk to, who we want to connect with. Have you seen any successes? Do you have any personal stories that highlight doing that? Yeah, 100%. I can remember two years or two and a half years ago, I had a client reach out to us who we were working with on the enterprise and commercial space. They reached out to us because they had launched a product and you know, they weren't getting any traction in positioning that product into the marketplace. And they came to us really wanting to tap into the power of influencer marketing. And we listened to them, but we dig a little deeper. And we noticed really quickly that there was a broken customer journey on the website. And so we helped them address that issue first before we started driving traffic to that website, right? And so that pilot was pretty successful. That pilot led to a global relationship with this customer to position the brand globally in priority countries. And one of the reasons why it's been that successful is because we started with understanding the audience, understanding their water and holes, understanding the hopes, desires, dreams, and things that surround the purchase, right? Not only the business drivers, but there are also 
personal drivers and specifically for this audience that we were able to find out because we invested the time to understanding that audience. Of course, that developed into developing messaging and creative and activation. And we're actually able to win some awards for that campaign. But even better than that, the client was able to gain some market share in that marketplace. And so it was something that we were able to do. It's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a great story. And I think it goes back to something you said before about relevance is really recognizing the value that you bring, you know? And so it's like, maybe when someone doesn't see it, can you make it present for them? 100%. Yeah. Right. And I think what we're discovering with this mindset is that we can't create a value prop that's just good for us in our org and expect fans to just come flocking. Like we have to fit within their interests, their concerns, their motivations, right? Of course. And you know, actually it's funny. So <laughs> we had, we had a story from one of the sales folks, the senior sales folks over there who was trying for years to get into a specific company and, you know, build a relationship with a specific CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. And, um, he wasn't getting through, right? He wasn't able to build that connection until he found out that this specific CISO was really interested in a specific cause. And the CISO was going to be in the dunk tank <laughs> at this fundraising fair. And that goes back to what we talked about, right? Understanding the audience and understanding even outside of work, you know, their hobbies and things that are going to help build that connection. But it was interesting because he was able to go to that fair where the CISO got into the dunk thing, he was able to talk in that social setting and he was able to make a little wager with the CISO and say, if I can get you in the dunk tank three times in a row, I think it was four or five tries. <laughs> like, would you take a meeting with me? <laughs> and he made it, he, and he made it, he made yeah. it fun, right? He made oh, it fun. And, but little, little did that CISO know, knew that that salesperson, he, he had like a, like a baseball career oh. prior, prior to, <laughs> I think it was like a, I think it was like a pre-major leagues baseball, but um, oh, no. he was able to get that meeting, you know, the week after. Because he went out of his comfort zone and he was able to connect with that prospect, you know, in a, in a place that was relevant. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> well, anyway, it, was, it was fun, right? Yeah. So he was able to raise money for the cause and be a part of that. And all of that, I think is connected experiences. Yeah. Right. And I, if I think back in my life and I think back at the most memorable moments in my life, it's moments that are out of the ordinary. It's, sometimes it was stressful moments, but it's moments that, that mean the most because you're able to get over that obstacle or get over that thing. Sometimes if we're looking at these obstacles head on, it looks so grandiose, but in the grand scheme of things, life is a, <laughs> a fun, you know, journey. Well, we'd like to thank Qsupervilla and Transmission Agency for sharing some insights with us today. If you'd like to connect with Kwesi, you can hit him up on social at marketingqs and of course at transmissionagency.com. We'll include some links in the show notes. We also want to thank our friends over at Ikigai Stories for collaborating with us on this piece. If you like inspiring stories that highlight the journey toward purpose, visit ikigailab.co. Kei Ishibashi set out to create a historical music documentary and return from the journey with a fresh perspective. I'm still the same person. I'm curious to see how it will affect me. I'm definitely less selfish, I think. I think I used to be making music about anything I wanted. Now I understand I have a bigger responsibility. In our next and final episode in this series, Kishibashi explains how he's grown as an artist in the past 10 years and how empathy has affected his approach to music making. 
We'll also be speaking with Microsoft's tech marketing leader, Keith Pranghofer, to see how empathy plays into relevant communication in an enterprise. We hope you'll join us next time on Reach.